Thanks for listening to our Faith Church podcast. Let's listen to today's message. As I look at the last few weeks, um, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit as well, and I just really feel like God wants to take us into a deeper understanding of how to have unity in the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. And uh, certainly, you look around the world, we know what disunity looks like. We got plenty of it. Just look in America. There's plenty of disunity all over our nation. And uh, one of the greatest ways to destroy a nation, destroy a city, destroy a family, destroy a marriage is disunity. Disunity will destroy uh, families, it'll destroy marriages, it'll destroy churches, it'll destroy businesses, and disunity is something that we can't afford in these days. As I was thinking about the passage in John 17, Jesus says these words in John 17, 9, and I want you to think about these words. He says, I pray for them, but I don't pray for the world but for those whom you've given me, for they are yours. So he says he prays for us. Going down to verse 20, he says, I don't pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. And they also may be one in us, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus, you know, a lot of people like to say what Jesus thought, but Jesus actually tells you what he thought. And Jesus actually is telling you the way he prays. And his prayer, he didn't hide it. He didn't try to pretend to pray in a way that made everyone happy. He was very clear, and his focus was, I'm praying for believers, I'm praying for believers. I'm praying for those who are going to serve me because they're going to need each other. They're going to be strong in their faith. They're going to need to believe for the impossible. And he says they need to come into a spirit of unity with me. Unity begins with the Father. Unity begins with Jesus. Unity begins with the Holy Spirit. We have to recognize where it starts I can try to come into unity with other people, but for me, I start best with the Holy Ghost. And if I come into alignment with the Holy Ghost, whoever else comes into alignment with the Holy Ghost is in alignment with me. And so unity is something that Jesus was concerned about, but the reason he says it, he says that they may be one in us, verse 21, and that the world may believe that you sent me. One of the keys to spreading the gospel is the spirit of unity. One of the challenges the church at large has is we disagree about stuff. And sometimes we disagree uh, with uh, genuine uh, hearts. Other times we just are disagreeable. Some people are just disagreeable. You can can say left, they'll say right. You can say up, they're going to say down. And so they're just disagreeable. It doesn't matter. They're just going to find something to disagree with. But I want to show you something when it comes to unity. And I want to have us understand where God wants to take us. God laid this out back in Genesis. He showed us how unity works. He showed us how a spirit of unity works. And he wants our homes to be in unity. He wants our families. 
He wants our city, our nation. He wants the church to come into unity of the Spirit. He really does. And he gave a, an understanding of that model out of Genesis 11. So if you go to Genesis 11, Genesis 11, many of you probably heard this story about the Tower of Babel. And in Genesis 11, it starts in verse 1. And it says this, Now the whole earth, it says the whole earth, had one language and one speech. The whole earth, everybody on earth, had one language and one speech. It's one thing to have the same language. You can all have whatever language you have, but the same speech. They talk the same talk. They talk the same ideologies, the same thoughts. They had the same speech. The word language refers to boundaries, uh, the biblical interpretation in this word. It refers to the place where speech comes from, which is, they said, from God. The word speech refers to um, decree, de uh, demand, commands. It refers to divine communication, most importantly. So he said the whole earth was full of the same language and the same speech. I believe God wants to bring the church to that level of understanding, that the whole church would come to one language and one speech. And I believe he built a model for us in the New Testament, but we need to understand it. I, I want to break this down into four points for us this morning, and I'll, I'll break down each one. I want to talk about unity, what is required of unity, and it's four things. One speech, one vision, one God, and one sound. Let me break this down. The first one, one speech or one language. Genesis 11, right while we're in that same passage. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city. So all the people gathered and said, we're going to build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men have built. Verse 5. And, when the, and the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they have, all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. So he says in verse 6, indeed, the people have one language, one speech, and when you have one language and one speech, nothing will be withheld from you. You can do the impossible. You can build a tower to heaven, he was talking about here. Anything that you can come into agreement about and you can come into one language and one speech with somebody else about, you can build a relationship. You can build a spirit of unity. And they not only built it through one language, through one speech, but secondly, they built it through one vision. They didn't have two visions. Two visions means division. They had one vision. They had one language, one vision. What was the vision? To build this tower, to build this city to God, to reach into the heavens, to become like God, to become as gods, to make themselves famous. And so they had one speech. Secondly, they had one vision. And in that vision, 
You have to understand one of the biggest challenges we have is people have multiple visions. You have a, a city like Rochester. Until we all have the same vision, this city will always be a mess. I don't care who, I don't care how many conversations you have, until it's got the same vision under God, it'll be a mess. And so there's got to be one vision. There can't be multiple visions. You can't have multiple visions. If you're a business owner and you want to succeed in business, you can't have multiple visions. You've got to have one. That doesn't mean you can't do multiple things, but if you don't have one core focus and one core vision, you're not going to be able to succeed. If you have a home, a family, if you have a marriage, and you have a couple together, if you don't have the same vision and you don't speak the same language, you're going to struggle in your marriage because you have two different visions and you have maybe two different languages. You're not speaking the same things. If you're parenting and you're raising children, if you don't have the same vision, you don't have the same language, the children are going to be confused. You've got to have the same vision and the same language for the children. Let me just give you something real simple when raising children. Something simple would be one parent wants to see their kids in church on Sunday. Another parent wants to see the kids play on sports on Sunday. The kids get confused. They don't know what to do. And so you've got to speak the same language for the sake of the kids. You've got to have the same vision. What are you trying to do? What are you trying to create in your home? What's the environment you're trying to to create? What's the language? We certainly see that with um, our, our nation. Uh, just, you look at the importance of the same speech and the same language and the same vision. There are people who have visions for this, lang- for this nation that are not good. There's people that have vision for where they want our nation to go that's destructive. Uh, and I'll, I'll, let me just say that it's on both sides of the aisle. There's people that have destructive visions that are not godly, that are not for God, they're for destruction. And I have seen this year, the, see, the world understands the importance of everybody saying the same thing. And the world understands when you look at some of the things that we've had this year in our nation, whether it's the elections, whether it's COVID, or whether it's injustice issues, whatever it is, the world understands we need everybody same thing, say the same thing if we're going to get this, the results we want. This is why the world works so hard at silencing people. This is why the world works so hard at educating children about things at kindergarten that they have no business knowing at kindergarten. Because the world knows we've got to get the same language, and it starts when they're young. And if we can train their language, their speech, when they're five and six, and then we can limit or cancel other speech and and stop other speech from happening, whether it's the internet, whether it's the, the news, whether it is the social media, uh, whatever it is, doctors, politicians, they all know we, if we're going to try to get 100% buy-in, we need to get the majority speaking the same language with the same thoughts. Whether right or wrong, this is how it's done. And the world understands that because they spend a lot of time trying to remove information that you might want to see. And so we have to understand this is what we're dealing with. It's taken right out of Genesis 11. It's taken right out of this passage. Bring them into the same mind, same thing. God knew, God created us. If we come into the same language, we can do anything. But 
you look at Genesis 11, one of the problems is not only can we do anything, we can do the wrong thing. And in Genesis 11, they were doing the wrong thing. They were trying to make themselves like God. They were trying to um, build an idol, idolatry. They were dealing with pride and being puffed up and wanting to be famous and wanting to be somebody popular. They wanted to make themselves like God. So God, knowing this, now we have to understand, okay, what, what's the third point that we have to think about in this past? Unity requires what authority you're under. God's supernatural authority. So either I'm under God's supernatural authority or I'm under somebody else's spirit, somebody else's authority. And here in Genesis 11, God says, come let us, who's us, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, verse 7 of chapter 11, come let us go down and confuse their language. That's all we have to do is confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from all over the face of the earth and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. The word Babel means confusion, confused. See, divisive speech equals confusion equals failure. It goes in that order. You get people divided, you get people confused, you get people failing. And we see it in our nation we see it in homes and families. You know, of all the things you would think should succeed, it should be a husband and wife. Of anybody who should be in unity, there's only two of you. That's all there are. Just you two, unless you're Mormon. And then there might be 12 of you. But there's only two of you in this union. And you'd think that Two of you should be able to talk the same language and have the same vision serving the same God. Divorce doesn't happen when there is unity. Divorce happens when there's disunity. Different vision, different language. I can't tell you how many times I've sat with people who are disagreeing with each other and they'll look at each other and say, I didn't say that. <laughs> well, that's what I heard. Well, you heard wrong. Well, I didn't mean that. Well, I think you did mean that. Anybody know? Don't raise your hands. But we see this in marriage. We see this with children. We see this in families. We see this with business. We see this with churches. We see this with communities. Confusion produces failure. And when you've got division and you've got two different speeches, you cannot succeed. And this is a problem. And this is where, as the church, we've got to recognize where this comes from. The fourth thing, unity requires one sound. One chord. Wasn't that the same as speech? No, it's not. It's different, actually. A sound is different from a language. Well, what do you mean? Well, a sound would be something like you apologizing to somebody and going, I'm sorry. You had the right words. 
Or you're saying, I'm sorry. There's a sound in that I'm sorry. You know how your kids go, sorry. They're not sorry. Now they said the right words, but they had the wrong sound. I know the words were right. It's like, tell your brother you're sorry. Sorry. You ain't sorry. You walk away thinking I'm the greatest parent ever. You missed the whole sound piece. You got the language right, but you got the wrong sound. And you look at your kid, and you know as a parent, you're like, I don't like the way you said that. I don't like the way that came out. Or even if somebody else apologizes to you, you apologize to your spouse, or you're talking to somebody, and they say something. You're just like, I don't like the way you said that. Because there's a sound. And there's a unity of sound or a disunity of sound. This is what makes music so powerful. Because in music, there's a sound. There's a chord. We talk about one accord. I'm talking about one chord. You've got a musical note. You've got a musical chord. You've got a chord of C. You've got a chord of D. You've got a chord of E flat, F, whatever it is. You've got chords on the keyboard. And we need to be in one chord. One accord. We need to be in one chord with one sound. I don't need to be in the same note. I need to be in the same key. See, there's a difference. My wife and I, we can function very well in different notes as long as we're in the same key. The way she may sing it and the way I may sing it may be different, but we're still in the same key because we have the same sound and we can harmonize the sound to work. But when she's singing a different note and I'm singing a different note from different keys, it's discord. And there's discord that comes between people. There's discord that comes in churches. There's discord that comes in the body of Christ. Discord that comes in the city of Rochester and any other city. There's discord because we have different sounds. You know, you listen to somebody and go, They've got the right words, but something doesn't sound right. They, you know, they say, they say they want to help our children, but something doesn't sound right. And there's a sound that is important. And you take a marriage... There's a sound that you need to come into. And there's a sound that we need to align to. Because part of the sound issue is understanding the root of the sound. And the root of the sound has to be determined by the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit doesn't determine the root, you may have different sounds in your marriage, different sounds in your family, different sounds in your city. The Holy Spirit, there's got to be one God. There can't be multiple gods. There's got to be one surrendering. There's got to be one supernatural spiritual authority that determines where the root is because the root can change on you. I can be moving and I can be doing things in, in God and I can be doing things in my marriage and I can be happy and I'm moving along and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit shifts up a key and if I don't shift up with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be in the wrong key. 
Last week, I was in the key of C. Now the Holy Spirit's in the key of D. And I need to shift, and I, my wife needs to shift, my family needs to shift, the church needs to shift, wherever the Holy Spirit is. And the challenge is, we start to get comfortable in the key of C, and we don't realize he just moved to D. Because the Holy Spirit's always moving, always progressing. And that's why there's got to be a greater emphasis in these last days on the Holy Spirit. There just has to be. Because if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to take over, we are going to see more and more discord in the body of Christ. And that's the very thing, the very thing Jesus prayed against was discord. He said, I want them to be one as you and I are one. I believe that God gives us a picture of this in the book of Acts. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 1. And he takes all four of these points and puts them into one moment and shows us how this is done. In Acts 1, verse 4, Jesus tells his disciples, he said, listen guys, I'm leaving, you guys need to go and wait for the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem. He tells them what to do. You need Holy Spirit. You need to go wait for the promise of the Father. Verse 14 says, and these, meaning these disciples, all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. These are, that's verse 14. They were there in the upper room for 10 days. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all, again, with one accord, in one place, and suddenly there came one sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and it sat upon each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let me break down these four for you. Unity requires one speech, one language. What was it? The Holy Spirit. The language of the Spirit. It was tongues. It was the language of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you're going to need one language. If you're going to set the world on fire, we need one language. The language is the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a contentious statement in the body of Christ right now. There's lots of churches who would definitely disagree with me. But this is the issue that Jesus brought up. This is the issue Jesus said is so important. You need one language. You need the language of the Spirit. The second thing is you need one vision. One boundary, as that means. And they were all in the vision. They were all in one place waiting for the Holy Spirit. They had a vision. What was the vision? Be obedient to Jesus. We're here to wait on the Holy Spirit. We don't know what's going to happen, but we'll be here for the next 10 days. We're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit until Pentecost comes. We're going to be here waiting on the Holy Spirit. So they had one vision. They had one boundary. Unity requires one God. What is that? A supernatural authority. One supernatural authority, which was they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then the fourth one, unity requires one sound. 
or one cord. They were all filled with the baptism and tongues. And it says, and a sound from heaven came and filled the room. One sound. That one moment in time changed everything for us. That one moment in time, God says, listen, I already know how this works going back to Genesis. I understand how if I can get people in one place, Jesus repeats it in John, and then in the book of Acts, he actually demonstrates it. Now look what happens. Verse 5 of Acts chapter 2. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation. See what it says there? Jews from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we are born? And they began to list off all the places in verses 9 and verse 10 and verse 11. All the places where they're from. All these different languages are being heard at the same time. In verse 11, it says, And we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. We hear these tongues, but they're talking about the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed and said, What does this mean? If you read further on, you'll see that that day 3,000 people were saved because they had unity with 120. 120 people were in unity. They went into the streets. The people in the streets began to hear their language. I want to give understanding to this. They had one chord. They had one sound. They had the divine Holy Spirit as one God. They had one vision. But they had a move of God in the city. And the people that were in the city were all from different nations. But because that group all was centered on the Holy Spirit, the people from all these nations heard in their own language. They didn't speak in those languages. They heard in those languages. Let me give you an understanding of this. Probably about 10 or so years ago, I was, we were, I was preaching and at the end of service, towards the end of service, and like I do a lot of times, I began to pray in the Spirit. I began to sing in the Spirit. And I encourage the congregation to do it. And I encourage you to do it for a number of reasons. Um, one is to just build you up in the Holy Ghost, to bring us into the same language. Another is just to give you permission to do it out loud. Some people are very uncomfortable. And to give you permission, say it's okay, and to train you how to strengthen your spirit, man. And so I do it on purpose. I get a lot more accomplished in the spirit than I do in English. And so as I'm praying in the spirit, all of a sudden... Um, somebody, they didn't come to me right away, but they came afterwards, I found out somebody in the back was beginning to hear in Italian. 
Now, I don't speak Italian, but they were hearing in Italian. I'm pretty sure I was not saying Italian words. Not that I know any Italian, which is a great disappointment to my father-in-law, but I don't have any Italian words, but this person heard in Italian what I was speaking in tongues. We need to understand the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand what God is trying to do. These people were all hearing in their own language. But I'm not done because I want you to understand what then took place. These people are hearing and they're totally confused. In that, how is this possible? What is going on? We're hearing the wonderful works of God. We're hearing God is great and this is wonderful. But notice what he says. They, they say in verse 13, they said, these guys are drunk. These guys have new wine, they say in verse 13. All these people speaking in tongues, they sound like a bun bunch of drunks. The world doesn't know how to explain the Spirit. So the world, the way these guys explain the Spirit is, you sound drunk. All we know is it sounds drunk. It sounds like you've been drinking too much, which the answer is, yes, we have. We have been drinking too much of the Holy Ghost. And there is a Spirit... When you drink, you drink spirits. I can apply this to secular as well as there's spirits. And so they saw the spirit activity. They assumed it was secular, not realizing it was the Holy Spirit. And so all they said is, you guys are a bunch of drunks. But yet we're hearing these wonderful things. They could not define it. They could not figure out, how is this possible? What is going on? And so Peter gets up and says, let me explain. We're not drunk the way you think we are. We're not drunk. You think we're drunk worldly, but we're drunk with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was prophesied by the prophet Joel. He said, in these last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will dream dreams. Your old men will see visions. So you, you see all these things, visions and dreams and all these things that are promised through this outpouring, but it's the Holy Spirit. And he's trying to explain it to them. By the time Peter gets done, 3,000 people go, I want that. See, the world doesn't have to understand. We just need the church in unity. Because we will never come into agreement secularly. This church, especially this church, we are never going to get an alignment politically. I'm good with it because I think all politics is crazy. So I'm not interested in being in alignment politically. I'm not interested in being in alignment with all the stuff that's going on in our world. I want to be in alignment with the Holy Ghost. I want to be in alignment with the Holy Spirit. We're never going to agree in the natural on stuff. We're never going to agree how to solve world problems, world issues. We're not going to agree. We're not going to understand how to do that. But the Holy Spirit knows how to do it. The Holy Spirit knows how to solve our issues. The Holy Spirit could come in and settle Rochester's crime rate. The Holy Spirit could come in and settle Rochester's children's issues. The Holy Spirit could come in and settle our school issues. But until we have 
a group of people that are surrendered to the Holy Spirit and speaking one language under one authority in one place, we are not going to see a move of God. Unity doesn't come because you and I have more conversations. Sometimes people are funny. They say, well, we just need more conversations. We've already had 12. <laughs> and I think we've pretty much come to let's agree to disagree. And so you have more conversations, and then you have more conversations, then, then you have them louder. Well, maybe if I say it louder, they'll agree with me. They're not going to agree with you. Well, maybe if I start yelling, maybe if I hold up a sign, maybe if I wear the T-shirt, they're not going to agree with you. Because unity doesn't come through ideologies. Unity doesn't come through crisis. You would think of, 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 a nation, of all the world's crisis these last 15 months, You'd think there'd be unity, but there's more division than ever. Because you can't bring unity through a crisis. It may work for a short term, short term, but it doesn't work for the long term. It doesn't produce positive results. You can't build unity off of fear. You try to build unity off of fear, you're going to have lots of problems. And so we have to bring unity by the Spirit of God. We have to surrender ourselves and say, we need the power of God. We need, but we have to be willing for people to think we're crazy. You guys sound drunk over there. You guys, you're that crazy church. Well, let me, let me give clarity to that. There's a difference between sounding crazy and being crazy. I have no problem with people think we sound crazy. But I do have a problem with people being crazy. I don't mind if you sound drunk to the world. I just don't want us to get out of control in our flesh. See, what happens sometimes in a move of God, when God begins to move, our, our flesh doesn't know how to respond to the move of God. We struggle because it's something new and we begin to speak in this language and we're like, is this okay? And we may find ourselves worshiping in ways you never worship, dancing in ways. We may find ourselves bold in witnessing. We may find ourselves bold in laying hands on the sick to see them recover. We may come into a new level of boldness and a new level that the world thinks is crazy, but that's godly. Where it goes crazy is when we start operating out of our flesh. And then that's a problem. Because we don't need anybody operating out of the flesh. Pastor Mary was funny. We'd be, we would see God move a lot, especially like Sunday night services. Sunday nights were always my favorite service um, because the people that really wanted God were there usually. And, and, and it, was just, it was just a hungering for God. And many times we would just go all out. But there'd come many times a turn towards the end of the service where she'd look at me and she'd just go like this. She go like this. And I go, okay, that means shut her down. <laughs> shut it down. Because it just shifted from the spirit to the flesh. And she taught me how to discern the difference between spirit and flesh. That's why sometimes 
all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's moving. That's why I'm not nervous. I'm not nervous. Thank God I was taught a lot of things when I was younger. And so I'm not nervous when the Holy Spirit gets moving and things start to pop. That doesn't make me nervous because I've, I've learned a lot of discerning things by the Holy Ghost. And I've learned what can be of God and what can be it. And I've, people don't know this, but I've walked up behind people and I've said to them, now you will stop in Jesus' name. Because they're in the flesh. And I just stop them. And nobody knows the difference. I don't call it out out loud unless I had to. But I just stop them because they're operating out of their flesh. And, and I have authority because it's in my house. And I just tell them to stop. I don't allow it to go crazy. I don't mind us sounding crazy. I don't mind us being excited. I don't mind us dancing and shouting and, and prophesying and doing all those things. None of those things make me nervous because I know enough of the Holy Spirit to know when it's God and when it's not. Where I think where some people get nervous is they don't have enough knowledge of the Holy Ghost to know what is and what isn't. And this is something that we, and as believers, we have to learn the ways of the Spirit. Because many believers would not be able to tell, is that of God, is that not of God? Is that, was that a prophetic word? Was that from God? Or was that not from God? Was that of the flesh? And what normally happens, believe it or not, what many times happens is people start in the spirit and end in the flesh. They just don't know it. And so, but it's learned, and you've got to learn, and you've got to understand how, how these things work. And the reason I'm saying this is God wants to bring a move of his spirit. And we can't be afraid of the move of the Holy Ghost. And I think there's some people that are afraid. There's some people afraid to bring church people to a Pentecostal church because they're not sure what's going to happen. So if I, bring, if I bring my friends or my family to church, is Pastor Steve going to start speaking in tongues real loud again? And if people are going to get nervous, all of a sudden people are going to start dancing or shouting. Am I going to get nervous? And so people get nervous, but you don't need to be nervous. Let me show you a scripture that will help settle you down. 1 Corinthians 14. This will be my last scripture. 1 Corinthians 14, 22 to 25. Check this out. So 1 Corinthians 14, and it says, So you see, speaking in tongues is a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. Even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they will think you're crazy, right? Right? It says it right there. But if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. And as they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly among you. So maybe tongues aren't so bad after all. Maybe tongues is a way people get saved. How many people have ever told you that? You, when you realize that the Holy Spirit can reach deep into the heart of people and can speak things. If I can speak in tongues and somebody in the back can hear in Italian, I'm not nervous about speaking in tongues and somebody over here getting healed, somebody over here getting set free, somebody over here coming into their right mind, somebody over here getting out of a wheelchair, somebody over here, their marriage is being put back together, their hearts are softening. 
I'm not nervous because the Holy Spirit can do more in 20 minutes than I can do in 20 years. And if the risk is you call me crazy, I'll take that risk. I will take that risk. Well, pastor, you know, if if I bring somebody to the church, they're going to think you're crazy. Just tell them I am. Just tell them, you know, our pastor's crazy. Tell them I'm crazy. I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to that. That way you kind of set them up for it. You kind of go, okay, well, who knows what's going to happen. But you got to come see because this is crazy. And some people just want to see crazy. They don't even, it's kind of like stopping and watching an accident. You know you probably shouldn't, but you got to watch what's going on. Something's going to burn up. Something's going to happen. Somebody's going to be dragged out. i got to see what's going on. But see, the power of the Holy Ghost is so good that even when things may feel out of control, they're always in his control. And some things, sometimes we've got to stop being so proper and trying to keep God in such a tight box. Well, God, if you can stay in this box, I'll let you move. But you don't tell God the size of his box. You don't tell God how he can move and not move. I'm sure the disciples had no clue, no clue what God was going to do in Acts chapter 2. They had no clue that the whole city would be turned upside down. They had no clue that they were all going to have to give their lives as a sacrifice. They had no clue what was going to happen, that they'd be sent from nation to nation. They had no clue that they were going to be arrested and put in jail. They had no clue that their shadow would be cast on people and people would be healed and set free. But there's something about walking with the Holy Spirit, becoming in one mind, one language, one spirit, one voice, one vision, that you say, I want that. I want that. If your marriage is a mess, you need the Holy Spirit. I promise you, The Holy Spirit isn't in one of you and probably both. Because the Holy Spirit has no division amongst himself. The Holy Spirit is one with himself and the Father and the Son, just like Jesus said. So my goal as a husband is to align myself with the Holy Spirit. Because if I can align myself with the Holy Spirit, my wife can align herself with the Holy Spirit, we're not going to have problems. We're not. You say, well, don't you guys fight all the time? No, never. We don't. Now, we tease each other, and sometimes I push buttons to all my family. They know that my daughter's looking at me like, why are you looking at me? Stop looking at me. (laughs) But we don't fight because we have one voice, one sound, one vision, one language. We have one Lord, one Savior, One Holy Spirit. If one of us is struggling, the other one picks them up. If the other one's struggling, the other one picks them up. Pastor, I don't believe it. I know. You think I'm crazy. Because it's a work of the Holy Spirit. This is why it's so important who you marry. People think I'm nuts for kind of coming strong at them with marriage. It's like, well, I can marry who you want. You can But if the Holy Spirit's here and you're there and they're there, you're in trouble. This is why this is all unequally yoked stuff. And we've got to be yoked to the Holy Spirit. When I'm yoked to the Holy Spirit, my wife's yoked to the Holy Spirit, and then I can have my kids yoked to the Holy Spirit, we can have unity in the house. 
but it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit for our church. If, 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 if I listen to everybody's opinion about what we should or shouldn't be doing, we'd be confused. And it's not that they're not good people. They're great people. But we've got to align to the Holy Ghost. And that means some people are going to be offended. That means some people are going to disagree. That means some people aren't going to understand. And I'll do my best to try to help them understand. I'll do my best to try to bring them in But if some people don't want to come into alignment with the Holy Spirit, I can't make them. And we need the Holy Spirit now more than ever. I honestly believe you had, in, in Acts chapter 2, you had 120 people that got on fire for God and changed the world. 120 people that changed the world. In one day, thousands were saved all in their own language. Why can't the Holy Spirit use you? Why can't he move through you? What is missing? Are you, do you have the same language? Do you have the same speech? Do you have the same vision as the Holy Spirit? Do you have the same dreams? Do you have the same sound? Do you even sound like the Holy Ghost? You listen to some people, they don't even sound like the Holy Spirit. They sound like the world. You, you look at their posts on, on Instagram or Facebook or wherever they are posting. They sound like the world. They don't sound like the Holy Ghost. They sound like the world. And we have to make a decision. Are we going to be the church that Jesus is asking for to come into unity of the Spirit? Or are we going to dance around and just hope people get saved? And we just hope the world comes to peace. Well, I just want world peace. It ain't going to happen. You can want it, but it ain't going to happen. And Miss America ain't going to give it to us. It's not going to happen. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. So I want us to do something, and I want us to pray this morning, this afternoon. I want you to pray. I have gotten to the place now where I just want God to move. Again, I don't mind the Holy Spirit being crazy. I don't want people to make stuff up, though. I want it to be the Holy Spirit. I'm not looking for sensationalism. I'm not looking for people to get excited. I'm looking for people to get filled. It's a difference. A lot of people can get excited about Jesus or excited about the Spirit. Listen, I can have the the band and the worship team sing at 100 miles an hour and get everybody excited. And that's not wrong. And they can be doing all that, but you walk out the same. I, I don't want that. My heart is so deep for our church, for our city. And I know our church can make a difference in our city. I know our church, if we get a body of believers that come into the real spirit of unity, we have no business arguing with each other in the foyers. We have no business arguing with each other on Facebook. That stuff is ridiculous. If you can't help yourself, shut it off. If you can't help yourself, get out of the foyer. 
unity. We're one body. We love each other. I'm cheering for you. You're cheering for me. We're cheering for the Holy Spirit to move. And that means when the Holy Spirit moves through you, I'm thrilled. When the Holy Spirit moves in our church, I'm thrilled. When the Holy Spirit moves in your family, in your marriage, in your children, I'm thrilled. The Holy Spirit can take you where you need to go. I don't even know. I don't even know where you need to go. I don't even know the root of your problems, the root of your... Holy Spirit does. He can solve it like that. But what I have found is it, people get nervous surrendering. Another word we use is yielding themselves to the Holy Spirit. Because, well, what's going to happen? Well, I've got to control it. No, you don't. You don't have to control it. You have to let the Holy Spirit fill you and let him control you. Because when the Holy Spirit controls you, you will do stuff you would never, ever have done. All that boldness you wish you had, you will all of a sudden have. All that confidence you wish you had, now you will have. Because it's the Holy Spirit that will build you up. That's why when you wake up every morning, you go to bed every night, pray in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't for Sundays. You don't put on your spirit language on Sundays. It's every day. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do today? Where do you want to go? Who do you want to talk to? And when you get the Holy Spirit, He knows. Do you realize the Holy Spirit already has plans for you this week? And I'm guessing that many of us will do it. Many of us won't even have a clue and won't do it. We won't even know. I didn't even know the Holy Spirit had plans. I didn't know. You have to ask Him, what do you want to do? And you have to have that relationship. And you learn. And you... And you we're, we're, we're all going to make mistakes. And you're going to have people say stuff about you. And you're going to have people call you crazy. They might even call you drunk. I hope it's the right drunk. But they're going to call you names. They're going to mock you. They're going to mock the church. They're going to mock. But they did that to Jesus, and they did that to the disciples. So if they do it to Jesus, the disciples, and me, I'm in good company. I'm okay with any of that. I really am. It's the only thing that's going to change the world. Thanks again for listening to our Faith Church podcast. We are so glad you chose to listen to this message. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to receive notifications when we release new content. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Faith Church Rock to find out more information about what is currently happening at Faith Church.